If you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which will be found in Acts chapter 20. It'll be Acts chapter 20, verse 21, where our text is found this morning. And it reads this way. Testifying <clears throat> both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I thank Thee that Thou art faithful, and I thank Thee, Lord, that Thou art the God of all grace. I thank You, Lord, for Thy healing this week, and bodies and souls, and I thank You, Lord, for the mind that You give Thy children, the strength You give us, the, the faith You give us, the love You give us, and all that comes forth, Lord, from Thy bountiful mercies that are new each day, and Thy great grace that You have for Your church. Oh, Lord, I pray at this hour that you would be pleased to open up this text and that we may see thee in it and that we would see, Lord, what you would have us to see. Show us, Lord, these great gifts that are given in thy Son. And, Lord, may you be pleased to reveal to us the trueness of repentance and faith this morning. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning comes at the end of Paul is addressing his friends and his brethren that are at Ephesus at the end of his third journey. And it's the last time that Paul will see them. And uh, we'll back up this morning in 17 and read down to the text. And, and well, I'll just make some comments. If you look in 17, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Uh, Paul says there's nothing hidden from you. You've known me since the time I've, I've been with this church here at Ephesus. You've known me that many times I've come to preach at this church. You've known the same message that I've had the faithfulness the Lord has given him. He says, you know all those things. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. So we first see the mark of a, a true gospel preacher who has the humility of mind. The Lord showing Paul and revealing to Paul that all of him, and Paul would write that, Christ is all and in all. Um, and with many tears. It was... It was it was a hardship for Paul. He went through and he's enumerated those things. Many things were hard to him. The shipwrecks, the, the beatings, uh, the persecutions, the being bit by the snake. <laughs> All of these things um, are things that plagued his ministry from a standpoint that were hardships to him. But the Lord taught him in every one of them and brought him through every one of them. But he had many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And, and that seems to be the problem now. The Jews have raised up against the gospel. And Paul said that. They, they, they had a problem with him preaching the resurrection. They had a problem with him preaching Christ and the totality of Christ and what that means for his people. And of course, the religious order would be so angry with him and would come after him. And he said, and, I, and how I've kept nothing that was profitable unto you. I'm not shunned to, to preach to you the entire counsel of the Lord. 
and but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Meaning, nothing has hindered him from going and speaking the truth of the gospel, whether it went from house to house or whether it was in a, a public setting. Paul said, wherever the gospel, wherever the Lord sent me, I went. And then he tells us in 21, where our text is, he tells a summation of the entire gospel. And he says, testifying. And that word hits us right in the face this morning, testifying. You know, we, we live in a religious age where a lot of Sundays and a lot of places like today, people will come up or they'll stand up and they'll tell what their testimony is in church. It's something they wholeheart now what it's become and what it doesn't mean, what Paul says here. Paul says, this is what I so heartily believe. I'm testifying of you the truth. I've assented to this because this is what the Lord has taught me. Today, mostly that means, and I don't want you to get the two confused, man gets up and tells them about an experience he had. Religious or sometimes not even religious. And, and everybody in the congregation just kind of sits there and listens to them and And that's supposed to be some kind of godliness. But that's not what's being said here by Paul. This is what I testify. This is what the Lord taught my soul. Therefore, I have spoke those things. I wholeheartedly assent to the truth of the gospel. And that's what he said. I testified both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. It didn't matter that the Jews persecuted me. It didn't matter that they wanted to shut my mouth. It didn't matter that they wanted to silence the gospel. Didn't matter. Paul, whoever he was brought in front of, he preached the gospel. And that's the work of Christ. That's the work of Christ's resolve as he had throughout all of his prophets through the days of old. And now as, as Paul is preaching the truth. And he says to them, repentance toward God, which is different than repentance. And he says, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> which is different than faith. So he qualifies these words. The summation of the gospel and what I've preached is repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing I want you to see is that he does not separate the two. And it's a reason for that. You can't. Repentance and faith is just like a piece of paper. That piece of paper is one paper, but it has two sides. Repentance and faith cannot be separated. They can only be separated by definition. But repentance and faith, the reason Paul doesn't separate it is the same reason Jesus did. Jesus said in Mark 1, 14 and 15, he says, Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. What is repentance and belief? Simply put, repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of masters. And you cannot do that without faith. And you cannot... Have faith without repentance. Because repentance is what humbles the child of God. That's what Paul said. I have taught you with all humility of mind. That's through repentance. Repentance brings the child of God down and sets him at the feet of Christ and lifts Christ up. That's what John said. He must decrease. 
How does John decrease? How do you and I decrease? Through repentance. Faith lays hold of Christ. Faith takes us to the cross. Faith tells us that it's our sins that put Him there. Repentance comes at the same time. I put you there, Lord. It's my sins that you died for. They go hand in hand. And they cannot be separated. So, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about um, how the Bible speaks of them being inseparable. And as I said, we could, we could easily separate them, and we, we can. I mean, we could separate them and talk just about faith, and that's fine. And we can talk about repentance, and that's fine. But I want you to understand today, and I hope you see it in your own life, that one doesn't work without the other. And I know I, I, I kind of chuckle sometimes because when I read things or I hear messages being preached and I think about theology, uh, the study of God, and I think of people sitting in seminaries and, and I think about the debates that go on, well, which one comes first? I think about that sometimes when I see that our government or something spent billions of dollars on research to see why a flower, you know, has a bee attracted to it or something. You know, something really stupid. You look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, how many millions of dollars? Well, man's religion's the same way. They worry about things like, which one comes first? Repentance, faith? They come simultaneously. It's the same piece of paper. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. The Lord, they're gifts of the Lord. And as you are brought to decrease, Christ increases. And faith lays hold of that. So there has to be a decrease, though. You can't, you can't see Christ elevated if you're elevated with Him. That's false faith. And, and that's a believing in the Lord, but not having anything done in your soul. Nothing to humble you. Nothing to, to make you cry out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's repentance. So this morning, I, I, the first thing I want to say is um, I think this is illustrated beautifully in Zechariah 12.10. Now listen to these words. This is to a prophet, Zechariah. And he's speaking in the place of Christ. And he's speaking in the place of the Lord. And he says, And I will pour upon the house of David, and upon the house, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. So that comes first. That's the Lord's work. Grace saves to the uttermost. Grace reveals Christ. Not works, not studying, not whatever these religious things are that we do. Grace. And he says, And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. How do we look up to Christ? That's faith. That's the Lord's faith saying, Reach out to me. See me. See me where I am. But what's happening here? They will look upon me whom they have pierced. See, the two go hand in hand. You look up because the Lord has put us down. And that's we're put down in our position, and the Lord's exalted into His position. And you can't have one without the other. And so he says, um, let me finish this. He says, um, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. All this in here, him, 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 that's Christ. And, and, and 
what we see here is a mourning over self. And you'll see that throughout the commonality of the passages that the Lord brings forth today and that I bring forth to you today. That's what I hope you see is there's that work. Faith and repentance go hand in hand. And you cannot separate them. So, as I said, um, it's repentance, though, towards God. And, and that's what, you know, that's why when I was reading it, I said, don't miss that. It's not just repentance and it's not just faith. Paul could have easily said, I testified both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance and faith, and left it at that. But he qualified the words because repentance is towards God. So that tells us something. It tells us there's another repentance, doesn't it? And we see that throughout society. We see remorse. We have it ourselves. We get, uh, when we're shown that we're wrong, we reach out to that one that we have wronged, and we feel very sorrowful for that. That's not repentance toward God. Repentance toward God is what David said in Psalm 51, 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And we say, whoa, wait a minute, David. You sinned against Uriah. You sinned against uh, Joab, putting him up there to be murdered. You sinned against Bathsheba. You sinned against all the people of Israel as the one who's the chief in command. How could you possibly, under the power of the Holy Ghost, how could you say against thee and thee only have I sinned? Because we're looking at it, once again, from man's perspective. But who did he sin against? He sinned against God. And that's that's what he said. That's what the Lord brings him to see. I sinned against... I would have never sinned against man had I not sinned against you, Lord. That's the core problem. That's the reality of sin. We've sinned against the Lord. That's what true repentance is. It leads us to the cross and shows us who we've sinned against. And it's not man. And it's not society. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. He exalts the Lord. That's what repentance does. He ex- it, faith lays hold of the Christ and exalts Him. And I'm not sitting up here telling you we don't have repentance toward man, because we do, but it never comes first. It's the fruit of the Lord giving us repentance towards Him. Then the kindness and the love toward the brethren come. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and love thy neighbor as thyself. The Lord is always first. He's the first fruits of His children. He's first in all things. And that's what true repentance shows us. And we have, we'll talk more about that again here in a minute. Um, and Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 1.9. He said, For they themselves show of us what manner of enter in, entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. See, Paul's writing about how the Lord gave this group, this church, this group of believers there, repentance. And he brings out how that repentance took place. You turned from your idols. Well, who turned them? I said, it's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. You're walking one way, and the Lord says to you, no. 
This is the way. And you know, that way, that faith always leads to Christ. That repentance doesn't lead to another way. It doesn't lead to another another um, answer to the problem. It's always Christ. Always. That's what Paul's saying. I testified this. This is the summation of the Gospel. That the Lord would give His church repentance and faith. And that repentance is always toward God. It turns to God. It's Godward. And faith is always laying hold of Christ. And we, that, that word gets thrown around a lot in our society and, and places we go. Oh, I, I just had to believe. I just had to have faith. What did you have faith in? You know, when I went to my car, I had to have faith that it was going to start. You know, it's been giving me a lot of trouble, but I just had to believe. I had to believe that it was going to start. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's, that's the world's faith that we can all have. That's not faith toward Christ. So, as we go through this message, Lord willing, He, he makes that more ready to us. Faith is toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith reveals Christ as Lord, and it always leads to lay hold of Him at His feet, and a, a, a change toward Christ. You know, faith and repentance. Turn with me over to 2 Timothy 1 for a minute here. I think this is shown here. Also, I just want to read a, a short passage here, beginning in verse 8 in 2 Timothy 1. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Notice he uses that word again. That's why I backed up to eight. The testimony of our Lord. What is a testimony? It's not man getting up saying, let me tell you what happened in my life. Let me tell you how I did this. Let me tell you how I overcame drinking. Let me tell you how I overcame beating my wife. Whatever it is. The testimony of the child of God is always of the Lord. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you. I, I, I tell my children that all the time. As you come in, in contact with people in this life, the, and, we, and what I mean religious people, because this world still has a lot of religious people, and you talk to them on a daily basis, and, and you'll know exactly where they stand. Just listen to what they have to say. Most of religion today talks about what they've done for the Lord. What good is that? I mean, this by, the Lord told the Pharisees that was worthless and had some pretty choice words for them. We'll see that here in a minute. And everything they did, they did in the name of religion toward God. They thought they did. Paul said the same thing. All these things I did, I count them as dung now, but those were one time in the name of religion. And so uh, our testimony is of the Lord. What has the Lord done for me? Let me tell you what the Lord has done. You hear somebody like that come and speak to you? Or they tell you that they know that their, their, uh, that their name is written in heaven and that they know that where they're going to be and they know, what are you basing that on? Listen to them. Well, this is what I've done in my life for the Lord. This is what I've done. That's a sad, sad day. If that's, your, if that's what you base your eternal life on, what you've done in this life, you're damned. You're absolutely damned. 
But if your eternal life is based on what He did, what He did for you, what He did in your place, if it's based on what Christ has done for you today, that is the testimony of our Lord. That's what Paul said. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. You know what that is? That's repentance. Paul once believed that. What did he not? I was. Uh, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. I was. Uh, I was born in the stock of this. I had this. I had that. And and that was very important to Paul. He had those letters. He was doing all these things and all these works that was going to make him favorable in God's eyes and into the in religious eyes. But when repentance comes, which is a gift of God, when the Lord gives repentance, listen, not according to our works. That's the testimony of the saint. That's when faith comes in. No, I lay hold of Christ. It's according to Him who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. This is what faith lays hold of. He's abolished death. Death is the portal for the child of God to pass from this life unto the next. As soon as our last breath is taken. He has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Now listen to 12. For this cause, for which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. We know Paul was brought to repent over those things and he even said that I was the one consenting unto the death of Stephen. Oh, how that must have hurt. Oh, that must have... I can't tell you how much that must have burdened Paul that he was consenting. He held the coats as those people picked up those rocks and they pelted Stephen to death with them. A child of God. And to hear Stephen say those words, Lord, lay this not to their charge. And how the Lord would bring that to Paul's soul that at that moment that he was rebellious against God, he raised up his servant to pray and to intercede for him. Lay this not to his charge. That there's been shame, but faith brings us away from that. It brings us to Christ. It brings us to the cross and it brings us to the empty tomb. And it brings us to resurrection life. That's what faith does. But you can't have one without the other, as you see. For I know whom I have believed. That's faith. I know now who I believe. And I'm persuaded, that's faith, that He is able. Notice that. It's always of Him. That He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. How did you commit that, Paul? He'd be the first to tell you it wasn't him. He had to be struck down off a horse. He had to see the glory of the Lord in a light. He had to be humbled. He had to be knocked off his high-mindedness and his high mentality of religion and brought to nothing. 
to where he was blind to everything. And the Lord built him right back up. Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I've said many times since we started here, it repentance and faith is a heart work. It is what goes on in the soul of the child of God. And this is the critical point. Because we know this world is filled with repentance. We know that people do things against each other and they're sorrowful for them. We know there are some that aren't, that are hardened and don't care what they do. I get that. That's a whole other topic. But we're talking about the difference between real and faith, real and fake repentance and faith. Many today are attending church. Many are sorry for their sins. Many believe in things. They believe in things. There's many people, many what are called preachers standing before people today telling them what to trust in. And it's not Christ. Trust in a feeling. Trust in an experience. Trust in whatever it is. But it's not Christ. Be very careful. Be wary of those things. Because always, as I hope you've seen in the scriptures we've shared so far, it's always about Him. He is the author and finisher of our faith, and He's the author and finisher of our repentance, which we'll see here in a minute. But what did Jesus say? Let's go to Matthew 23. About this point that we are on now, about it being critical, truth, there's a difference. Let's see what he said to the Pharisees here. And let's begin in 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Now, I want you to understand, it's not woe unto you, drunks and drug users. It's not woe unto you, fill in the blank, whatever horrible sins you can think of right now. This is the religious order. These are the ones that are always in the temple study, always writing down the Old Testament prophets and what they had to say. That's what the scribes did. They, they wrote down what the Pharisees said. This is how we interpret the law. This is what God meant. This is, and Jesus says to them, woe unto you. Let's see why. For you may clean the outside of the cup. The Lord, Lord, it's a good thing we don't take things literally sometimes because people would think he's talking about doing dishes, but he's not. This is talking about your heart work. What's going on in the soul? What religion does and man does that follows after religion is they want to make sure everyone around them knows they're religious. They care about the outside of the cup. How is my deportment? What are people going to think about me if this happens? What if I do this? What if I do this wrong? i got to be very careful not to sin in front of those people. Don't think less of me. It's all about, that's what he says, well, you, clean the out, you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter. But within, they are full of extortion and excess. Sins of greed, sins of power, Against man, sins of 
showing you what's in the heart. The desire is not toward Christ. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. You see how the Lord does the heart work. That's what David said. Repentance is against thee and thee only, Lord. When the inside of the cup is clean, when the Lord reveals the blood and the blood washes away the sin, then you have love toward man. Then you have kindness toward man. Then the outside of the cup is clean. It starts from within. That's what true repentance and faith is. It comes from the fountain of Christ. It comes from the blood, the fountain that's always open for the child of God. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Hypocrite means you say something and you believe something else. You do something else. For you are like unto whited sepulchers, those beautiful, hewned-out rock places that they put dead people in. Beautiful ones. Hey, look, look how beautiful that looks. Look at that beautiful grave we've got. But what did Jesus say? What's inside of it? Watch this. For you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. It's within is what's, it's death. That's what you have within. And if you're dead within, all you can do is try to cleanse one without. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I don't know about you, I know that when the Lord leads me to passages like this, He causes me to cry out to Him to search my heart. Oh Lord, I, I don't want that pharisaical spirit. I don't want... I really don't want the world to see me and anything I've done or any works that don't attribute it to me. If there's anything good that has come forth from this person, it must be his work. Must be. It's got to be. Because I know what I am without him. I know what I'm capable of. And, and, I, and I say that, but I really don't. I really don't know that if the Lord's restraining grace was taken off of me, what I would be capable of. I can say it with my mind. I could sit here and say, oh, I'm capable of everything. But to truly know the depravity and the deceitfulness of the heart and desperately wicked, the Lord's, who can know it? Yeah, we don't know it. And praise God, He restrains His children from those things it's absolute heart work and we'll talk more about Ezekiel reads about a new I mean speaks about a new heart and we'll, we're going to go there here in a minute but I wanted to say it reminds me of David you know and when the Lord sent Samuel and he sent him to that house and, and, and they were looking for the one that the Lord was going to anoint to be king and they sent, sent him to that house. And remember, they kept parading all the brothers out there. 
He'd start with the oldest one, the strongest one, and, and Samuel's like, certainly this is the guy right here. The Lord said, nope. And it's one by one by one, the next strongest one, the next oldest one, and all one after another after another. That's the way we look. We look at, well, surely it must be this one, Lord. Well, there's none left. Really, you don't have any sons left? Well, I've got some little run out there watching over the sheep. Bring him to me. And what was it that the Lord said there? He said, he told Samuel, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Because that's where his work is. He looks on the heart. He sees, he sees grace because that's his work. He sees himself, that's me. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not by works of righteousness what we have done. It's all of Him. Repentance and faith are gifts of God. We've already hinted on that, but I want you to turn over to Acts 11 real quick. I want to show you something that Peter said. You remember Peter went to um, Cornelius. The Lord sent him in that dream. And he showed him that vision, and he went to Cornelius' house and uh, he was amazed and what the Lord showed him that there was nothing unclean. What the Lord said is clean, it's clean. And all that, you know how the Jews and all the laws they had about what they ate and, and, and the Lord showed him this, uh, this thing, this uh, knit sheet and everything and he was showing him what was clean and the Gentiles were clean basically. But look at, look at chapter 11. Peter rever- uh, rehearsed what he had to say because he knew he was going to get tried when he went back to Israel and they were going to say, what in the world were you doing over there with the Gentiles? Look what Peter had to say. Look at, look at verse 17. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us. And, the, and, and Peter is speaking to a group of believers. He has given that to us. He has given it to us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's faith. That's faith. He gave them faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have that mark. They were caught, They believed in Christ with all their heart and all their soul. That was their testimony. Peter said, how could I deny them? They had the faith of the Son of God. That's what he saw. That's what we see. That's when the Lord gives us faith to see it in others. And we love that. And that's what Peter said. How could I, who believed on the Lord Jesus, what was I that I could withstand God? It was a sovereign gift. They didn't do anything. It was a gift, Peter says. Now listen to what they said. Their answer. When they heard these things, they held their peace. And they glorified God. They lifted up their eyes and they glorified God. They said, God, you did this. Lord, you did this. This is your power. Listen to what they said. Saying, then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. They didn't say, oh, well, the Gentiles repented and now they have faith and now they're they're children of God. No, God gave them the gift of repentance. It's a gift. And you can't deny it. That's what they said. I mean, all here, here he's rehearsing what he's got to say. He knows it's going to be hard. He knows it goes against all the, what they've seen in their life thus far. But isn't anything too hard for the Lord? 
That's what Peter's saying. The Lord gave them faith to believe. And then they looked at Peter and said, well, God gave them repentance. See how the two go together? They're not separated. Look, just turn your... Well, it's page over in mine. But look down at verse 21 now. As, as, they, as they're talking about the, the church here at uh, Antioch. And they was preaching the Lord Jesus, says at the end of 20. Look, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And what did He give them? What was gift? Listen. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. That's repentance. Faith and repentance. Those are the gifts of the Lord. And you can't have one without the other. And I hope, and that, that's the point of the message today. I pray that the Lord opens that to our understanding. That when He gives us faith, true faith to believe, He increases and we decrease. And that decreasing is what the Bible calls the gift of repentance. Paul said it beautifully in Romans 2, 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance? It's not beating somebody over the head. It's not the wrath of God that leads you to repentance. The wrath of God is on the unjust. The wrath of God is on those outside of Christ. The wrath of God is not upon the church. That was poured out upon the Son in our place. He took the wrath of God in our place to pay the debt owed for our sins. Praise God. Praise God. Paul, 110, Psalm 110.3. You know, I quote this a lot. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. That power is a gift. It's the gift of repentance. Then we repent. Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's a gift. Gifted to Paul to live. Paul said, I don't live any other. Yet not I, but Christ in me. It's Christ who lives in me. It's the faith of the Son of God. It's the repentance of the Son of God. It's always the gifts of the Son of God. And finally, of course, we're very familiar with Ephesians 2.8, which says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. That's repentance from self. You ever notice that? You ever notice that being spoken there? Grace are you saved through faith. And then that little phrase, And that not of yourselves. You have repented from self. That's what repentance does. Turns from self. It's not me. It's you, Lord. It is the gift of God. Both of them hand in hand right there in that passage also. Now we go to Ezekiel 36. Now look at... Uh, let's see where I want to start. Let's back up 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and will bring you into your own land. Now there's some physical things going on here, but I I pray the Holy Ghost impresses this upon us spiritually. For for such were some of you. Think of that. Where was I? How did the Lord take me out of unbelief? 
How did he take me out of the land of the heathen? How did he take me? But that's examination, isn't it? Am I out of the world? Have I been weaned from what the world has? Have I, have I, or, or am I just caught up with it? Is that what my life is? Look, this is, this is heart work. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean, sanctified, from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. That's repentance. We already heard that. That's turning away from your uncleanness and away from your the idolatries, whatever it is. We don't have to think it's some little stone figure and we don't think it's some kind of gold figure in front of us. It can be, but it can be many things. It could be jobs, it could be wealth, it could be riches, it could be a title, it could be a family member. Could, you know, We can go on and on with idolatry, things that we set up in our minds and hearts over God. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And you'll, you'll, that change will take place. You'll no longer want to live that way. You'll no longer desire to live that way. Now, you may backslide, absolutely. But when the Lord reveals to you what you've done, guess what's going to come? Repentance and faith. Oh, my Lord has bread. I must go to Him. I, I, I've sinned. It's, it's against you I've sinned. Yes. And then He brings us to the house of bread, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Then listen to this. And I will put my Spirit within you. That's the Spirit of what? The Spirit of Christ. And what does He do? Well... He causes you, listen, and cause you. What is that? Faith. That's the people will be willing in the day of my power. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Because we're not going to walk in them in and of ourselves. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Obedience is very important in a child of God's life. But it's not my obedience. It's His. You know why? Because His was perfect. That's why that robe of righteousness is perfect. It's without sin. It's perfect obedience. And when we are brought to obey, it's because of Him in us. It's His obedience. Many times we look in our life and we see where we haven't been obedient. Isn't it something how there's always a false one of these attributes that we think, oh, there's only one obedience. No, there's not. We have legal obedience. We have obedience out of fear. We have obedience out of duty. We have obedience out of things we think we should and ought to do. But that's not the Lord's work. The Lord's work is obedience out of love and a servitude of heart and mind and will toward the Lord. And that's His work. Because, you know, it's like like, like the Lord said, you know, you gave this, you, you clothed them, you fed them. And, they, and the people of God said, Lord, I, I don't remember. When, when did we do this? That's right. It's his work. It's not that we're ignorant of it when it's going on. It's not that we've been taken over. It's the Lord's work that comes out of us. And we're not counting it to our own righteousness. We're not looking at it going, oh, well, I did this for God. Lord, it's because of you. 
It's because of you, Lord, that I love my wife. It's because of you, Lord, that I love the children that you've given me. It's all because of you. And ye shall dwell in the land. Oh, wait, is it how far? Nope, 27 as far as. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. Okay, that's it. All right, back to our text. True repentance and faith always bows to the sovereign will and submits to the Lordship of Christ. Always. Always. Don't ever forget that. He reveals to us that salvation is not an act of our will, but it's always an act of His. James said it this way in James 1.18, Of His own will begot He us with the word of truth. It's always with the word of truth. You cannot follow error and bow to Jesus and what he's done. You can't. The two will never mix. And you'll see that because you'll hear that. You'll hear that in man mixing the creature with what the Lord has done. And anytime you hear that, there's no bowing to Christ. None. Of his own will begot he us with the word of true that truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures that church is always the church mirrors Christ because he's the first he went first in all things he's the shepherd who leads his sheep and his sheep will hear his voice and follow him <coughs> and everything will give glory to God and what God has done and what the what is what the Lord Jesus Christ has done He will make us willing in the day of His power as He is the author and finisher of our faith. And may we one day be shown to make us say with David, you know, I remember David crying out saying, Lord, who am I? Who am I, Lord, that you would show such mercy to me? And I think of Job often after losing everything that he had in the physicality part of life with family and riches and everything and servants. And what did the Lord bring him to say? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Repentance and faith in that statement. Do you not see it? Oh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's us being brought down down low to see the Lord exalted. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is his work and it's marvelous in our eyes. Why? Why? because of him our text one more time testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks what did you testify Paul what was the summation of the gospel repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ may the Lord reveal to each and every one of us today the trueness of each one of those terms and that they're found in Christ alone Dear Heavenly Father, may you add thy power, thy clarity, thy love, and thy compassion to thy people. Reveal this morning, Lord, your work in our souls, that we would see that you truly, out of thy goodness, have given repentance, and truly out of thy love and mercy has given faith. Lord, may they be married together in our souls, and may you always cause us to decrease as you open our eyes to lay hold upon thee as you increase. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.